Hello, everyone. We are here to just tell you that originally we planned on this being just one episode. So if the so after uh, after our 2020 players to look for for all 30 teams, um, it's just going to end. I'll probably just fade it out with something. I don't know. We'll see. But it's going to be a two-parter, so don't be worried if it ends kind of abruptly. So uh, hope to see you on um, Friday. Yeah, the episode is going to come out Thursday. Thursday yeah. is when the episode is the second part of the episode is going to come out. So see ya. Enjoy Woo. the episode. That's a clown question, bro. Hi, what's up, Anya? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. If you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome to the show to be named later, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I don't know if I could be doing better this week. Today is a show that we never really thought we would actually get to do. It is the season preview. Uh, if this is being released on Wednesday, we got games tomorrow. We got a full slate on Friday. We got live baseball for the first time in nine months. It's uh, it is definitely a uh, a tr- a treasure to behold. This is the first time in this show we're ever going to be talking about regular season like live baseball because we started at the very beginning of last postseason. That is correct. Yeah, we literally our first show was on the day of the NL wild card game. Good game. Very good game. Very good game. Yeah. Recommend you check that out. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, like Daniel said, it's a season preview show. Finally, we're talking about uh, baseball that is about to happen rather than baseball that happened, you know, 50 years ago. Finally, (laughs) we're able to talk about relevant things. That's right. So, um, I mean, we don't really have to, uh, we don't really have to have to banter too long anyway. Um, so we're going to be doing, we're going to be kind of going over. So I'll preface this by saying we did uh, division previews in March before, before we knew that the season would get delayed by four months. And uh, you know, if, if you do want to check those out, go to, uh, go to my Twitter at Periscope. Scroll down there a little bit. Got to scroll down a little bit. Uh, I have the Periscopes for the division previews. If you want to get a full, uh, thing on what we discussed and the players we are looking for for all 30 teams. Um, but we're going to basically go over, just do a rundown of uh, pretty much every player that we pointed out ourselves, but, you know, definitely in a shorter time frame. Um, we'll probably do maybe 20 to 30 seconds on each player and then move on. Yeah. And if, we, if there is any other comments, we could probably uh... – yeah. Keep doing that. So, so uh, we're going to start with the American League Central. This is, uh, you know, there's there's a lot, as far as, like, standings go, I know we're going to get to standings later, but I guess I'll just say this now. There's probably three teams with a legitimate chance of winning and then just two ultimate bottom feeders. Uh, it, the, the, the balance of power between the good teams and the bad teams has a large gap. Yeah, it's – um. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, the White Sox a year ago were like 
one of the three bottom feeders. Yeah. Now, now they're competitive. I have I have some takes on that team too. That'll, yeah. that'll come later. So uh, so yeah, here we go. Do you want to start with the Tigers? Yeah. So my Tiger to look for uh, is Matthew Boyd. He is a starting pitcher, and really the only reason we're looking at him is because of the August thirty first trade deadline. Uh, it's he's probably going to make like four starts before he might possibly get traded. But last year, uh, his case per nine went from eleven or from went from 8.4 in 2018 to 11.56 in 2019. He also, he had a mid four ZRA, but his FIP was lower. Um, so that could be, you know, if a team is looking for a starter, maybe not like an ace, but just another quality arm, Matt Boyd might be your guy. And he is my tiger to look for. And my tiger to look for is one that hasn't played a game yet. Uh, I was looking at Casey Mize, who might not have as much as an impact as he would have had there been a full season, but he is uh, the, I think the top, he's definitely the, I think he's the top right-handed pit, pitching prospect for sure. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Nate Pearson's ahead of him, but he's definitely uh, a top guy. Um, he was the number one overall draft pick in 2018. And he threw, didn't he throw a no hitter in the minors last year? He did. Yeah, he did. And a little aside on the Tigers team, just to show the kind of, uh, you know, the kind of tunnel they buried themselves in. Uh, last year, the 2019 Tigers had the worst team position player wins above replacement since the 1998 Twins. So it had been 21 years since, uh, since, a, since position players well, on a team produced a worst season. Yeah. So now we're moving on to the Kansas City Royals. Uh, I was watching – this is not my player, but I was watching uh, – their game against the Astros today, obviously uh, an exhibition game. And Bobby Witt Jr. is a guy who looked really impressive today. He was a first-round pick, second overall uh, in 2019. And uh, yeah. just real quick, on the day, uh, this guy, out of the seven hole, had two hits, uh, went two for three uh, with a walk also. And he had an RBI. Uh, that, was, that was me checking his line. He was – he looked pretty good today. I don't know if we're actually going to see him since he only has a year of minor league experience, uh, but in the future. And he's a top 10 prospect, too, according to MLB.com. But my guy for the Royals is Jorge Soler. Um, he had a 136 weighted runs created plus last year, which tops all Royals season's minimum 200 plate appearances since Billy Butler in 2012. Also, he was the first 40 home run season in Royals history, and he hit 48 home runs. Shout yeah. out to franchise record yeah Jorge Soler was absolutely spectacular last year and you should also you know he's a young guy you, sh you should expect him to uh keep keep having success my Kansas City Royal was not really a star not even a guy who really could help them in the future really but I think he could help them out maybe with a trade before August 31st um I, I was looking at Ian Kennedy I think he had a very quiet, yeah. very quiet, good year last year. As uh, a closer. Went, yeah, he was their closer. He went uh, 30 for 34 in save opportunities. He had a career-high 10.4 uh, strikeout per nine, uh, 10.4 strikeouts per nine. He had a 3.41 ERA, uh, 2.99 FIP. So I think Ian but Kennedy might be able to uh, bring back a good prospect for the role. I'm glad you mentioned him because I was looking yesterday at like the reliever market 
uh, for teams that are probably not going to contend. And I was thinking like, you know, how many teams really have guys like this? Ian Kennedy was the number one guy that I found. So, I mean, he could be, he's, I mean, he might be the number one reliever on the market uh, in a month. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're moving on to those Chicago White Sox. Rick Hahn has built himself an amazing farm system, and this is where it's supposed to come to fruition. And my guy is one of those guys who was in that farm system, Yoan Moncada. He was the number two overall prospect in baseball, of course, when he came up. And from July 15th through the end of last year, Moncada, with a league minimum of 200 plate, 210 plate appearances, led the league in BABIP with a 443. I know that I know that suggests luck, but he also had 149 wins above replacement, a 392 WOBA, and a 948 OPS during that time. So yeah, sure, he did get lucky, but he was also really clutch, uh, even in the times where he was where it was all skill. I believe 149 weighted runs created plus. Yeah. You said you said wins above replacement, which would be very yeah. No, he won 149 games <laughs> uh, for the White Sox. I really, they, I can't believe they missed. It. And that was just in a few months. We remember the the great <laughs> 173 and negative uh, 11 season produced by the Chicago White Sox last yeah, of year. Of course, of course. <laughs> that was uh, Mike Trout. Just remember when Yoan Moncada like passed Barry Bonds' entire career almost in like <laughs> half a season. That was sick. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was better than everyone except Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, uh, and Willie, Willie Mays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for best players of all time. For uh, for just one year, that's all it took. Yeah, that's all it yep. took. Not even it was July fifteenth through the end of the season. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> he produced he produced one hundred forty nine wins in about seventy games. He produced two wins per game. Un- unreal. <clears throat> I don't know Unreal. why no one was talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Went really under the radar for for what he did. But, yeah, for White Sox, I put down a, a couple guys. I put one, one like, definitely under the radar go- guy and probably – and then probably their biggest offseason acquisition. I just wanted to say them getting Yasmani Grandal was – Yes. Yep, was, I'm glad you said that one too. He's probably huge. the best offensive catcher in the league. Yeah, he is the highest – a catcher war since both 2016 and since uh, 2015. So he's definitely the best. He's been the best catcher according to F war um, in the last uh, five years. And then my, you know, under the radar guy, maybe not so under the radar because he is one of the better prospects. I'm looking at this guy because I think he could be a guy where if, the white if the White Sox make make the playoffs, I think this guy is the guy that kind of pushed them over the edge. You know, you know, you know that Lucas Giolito is probably going to have another very good year. You know that D- Dallas Keuchel should probably have another good year. But I'm looking at Dylan Cease. Yeah, he looked really good the other day in uh, one of those exhibition games. Yeah, Dylan Cease. You know, he didn't have he w- didn't have a great time in the majors last year, but I don't think that's necessarily an indicator of anything because he's just a young guy uh getting a feel for the game getting his feet wet getting his feet wet you know he had a 579 era last year but his stuff his stuff is legit Mm -hmm. and that's not an understatement his fastball velocity is in like the 90 something percentile uh he's got very good breaking stuff 
and he had 10 strikeouts per nine. The walks per nine and the hits per nine were not great, but he could definitely improve that much easier than, you know, had he not had very good fastball velocity, had he not been able to strike a lot of guys out. I think Dylan Cease, if he gets a hold of a couple different things, he could push the White Sox over the edge. Especially in that pitching staff, because I think the pitching is the number one question for the White Sox. Obviously, we'll get to that, like we said later. So the next team we got to talk about is the Cleveland Indians. They just missed the playoffs last year. Uh, they might be changing their name as well, but as of now, they're the Cleveland Indians. And Chris, you mentioned under the radar with Dylan Cease. There is nobody possibly in all of baseball that's more under the radar than Jordan Luplo. And in 85 games last year, he hit 276, 372, 551, 923. He had 137 weighted runs created plus, which ranked eighth among all AL outfielders with at least 220 plate appearances. That's, this is a guy that kind of raked last year. Nobody said a word about him. Uh, of course, if you rake like this, you're not going to get away from me. I'm going to see it, whether it's, whether it's on the TV or on my laptop on fan graphs. I'm going to see it. And Jordan Luplo, I see you. I see you raking down there in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, he, he's trying to sneak away, trying to fly under the radar, yeah, but no. we're catching him here at the you show. You can't escape the show to be named later if you're doing well. One guy, one guy, uh, so I have, you know, a couple guys, one main one, but one guy I would definitely like to mention how, you know, he's probably flying under the radar because this guy from July of 2018 on, he's third in the American League in ERA and strikeout percentage behind Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. Those rankings are minimum 200 innings pitched. And that guy is Mike, is Mike Clevenger. Clev. So, you know, especially, you know, I was a little hesitant on him uh, before the full season because uh, he had a meniscus injury, but now he's good to go. So he could be a big piece for the, for the Indians for sure. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious at this point, but another guy who could be a, a good piece who, you know, even if he does succeed, can fly under the radar is uh, Oscar Mercado. Yeah, yep. So Mercado, he's uh, he's probably about an average kind of middle-of-the-road hitter. However, he, uh, last year he was in the 84th percentile in outs above average, which represents uh, what he can do in the field. So he was top 16% in guys uh, with – outs above average and he was 97th percentile in sprint speed so you know he didn't rack up a ton of stolen bases last year but if he does figure his way out around the bases he could really be a deadly weapon on the base paths and you know he has the potential to be an above average hitter and he could be the best one of the best players on the Indians without anyone even realizing it yeah he could be he could be a guy who you know if you're thinking you know, a guy with maybe an 25 OPS, 30 stolen bases, and maybe a top five defensive center fielder, that's definitely a, a great all-around player, which I think that is Oscar Mercado's potential, especially this year. I remember for, for the longest time, the Indians just had, like, a bag of nothing in the outfield. Like, they had statistically one of the worst outfields in the majors, and now they're looking really good with – what, they got Jordan Luplo, Oscar Mercado, and Framiel Reyes in their outfield. It's three guys that you want to have. And last but not least in the American League Central, we have the defending champion Minnesota Twins. 
My guy is not under the radar at all. You all know him. His name is Nelson Cruz, and his 2019 season was the only age 38-plus season in baseball history with a 1025-plus OPS and 105-plus RBIs. That's right. Nelson Cruz, yeah, he was he was that guy. Yeah. He, you know, and you and know, now you add Josh Donaldson to this team, who already obviously had a historically great offense last year, like most home runs ever by a team. You add Josh Donaldson, and this team can do some damage just like they did last year uh, on the offensive side of the ball. The question is pitching. Of course, of course, you know, and Nelson Cruz, you could definitely go crazy with the uh, with the age statistics as you mm-hmm. did there and uh you speak of the pitching and i look at an addition that they had a guy who i think is very right. well known in the baseball world because of him playing in la this guy is kenta maeda yep, i called it so kenta maeda you know people know where he's at he's a about an above average pitcher you haven't really seen him in a full starter mode and I think if he has a bad season, the the likelihood of the Twins uh, winning winning the divi- winning the division could go down a bit. But if he turns it on, if if he's able to be a guy, you know, a mid threes ERA guy, I think the the Twins have no excuse not to win that American League Central. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a there's a lot of question marks, but I mean, yeah, yeah the pitching is really going to have to turn it on for the Twins if they want to do that. So next we have the National League West. Uh, this team, this division is, uh, I mean, I think we all know what to expect. So uh, let's just talk about uh, the teams fighting for second place, starting yeah. the San Diego Padres. My guy, I have two guys for the Padres. Uh, the first of which did test positive for COVID, but when he comes back, I think he's got a lot of promise to the San Diegans out there. And that is Tommy Pham. He had a 369 on-base percentage last season, and that ranks better than every Padres season since Chase Headley in 2012. So he's the kind of player the likes of which the Padres haven't seen for a while. Also, uh, in, his, in his time with the Rays, throughout that entire time span from, I believe, like mid, I think, 2018 up until the end of 2019, he had a 385 OBP, which ranked third among AL outfielders. The two guys ahead of him, Mike Trout and Mookie Betts, pretty good. Obviously, he's not in the American League anymore, but he brings an on-base presence that the Padres are not used to, and I think they could really use in their lineup. The other guy is on the mound. It is Chris Paddock. Obviously, you all have seen uh, the kind of stuff he brings to the table as far as uh, his pitches, their movement, their speed, everything. And he had a whip under one in four separate months last year. He did have some tough stints here and there, but he had a lot of really good uh, strands of time. And I think if you put that all together, he can be literally a top 10 pitcher in the National League as far as wins above replacement goes. Oh, yeah. Chris Paddock. And, you know, I'm definitely going to get, you know, young pitchers. I, I'm one of the first guys to get on a, on a young pitcher's mm-hmm. hype train. Got to love young pitching. But yeah. uh, there's, two, there's two guys I'm looking at. One, just out of curiosity – and, you know, he's probably the most hyped guy on the Padres right now. I'm looking at Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, you cannot. So I'm – and I'm not looking at him for the same positive reasons as everyone else. 
Um, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if he, if he can kind of repeat the same success as last year. And, you know, that is because of his peripheral statistics. So he had the largest difference between batting average and expected batting average, according to baseball savant, he had the largest difference between his batting average and expected batting average in major league baseball. And he had the fourth largest difference between slugging uh, percentage and expected slugging percentage. So I'm wondering if, you know, he can still repeat. I think, you know, he's definitely a very good player, but I'm wondering if he can still have that offensive success, you know, an OPS over 950. I'm not sure if we're going to get that, but even if he can maintain an OPS of about 900, um, that would still be very impressive. But another guy I'm I'm also looking at um, is one of the few additions for the Padres. I'm looking at Zach Davies. Um, His hard hit percentage has eclipsed 33% only once. And the hard hit, your average hard hit percentage for a season is usually about like 35%. So he's been above average in in allowing um, hard hit balls uh, for a pitcher. He's been above average for pretty much his whole career. And he actually does not throw a four seamer at all. And he throws a sinker 52.2% of the time. So he's going to get you ground balls. Um, and he's not, he's going to allow some soft contact. I think he could be big in the Padres um, rotation. Speaking of ground balls, uh, I cannot take this time where we're talking about the Padres to not meme on Eric Hosmer, uh, yeah. the ground ball machine that is. Uh, just this, this is just a daily reminder that his, his launch angle uh, in 2019 went up to a 1.9. It was negative 1. 1.5 in 2018. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I just had to get that out there. People forget Eric Hosmer uh, signed a giant contract with the Padres. Uh, to hit the ball into the ground every at bat. Yeah, just you gotta you gotta remind you of that the next team is the Colorado. this team is known for great offense historically, but my guy is a pitcher. In fact, it's a relief pitcher, Scott Oberg. This guy has reverse splits, and when I say that, I mean he is better at Coors Field than he is on the road, which is almost never the case. He had a one seventy one ERA at home in 2019 with a 296 on the road. Also, since the start of 2017, he's allowed 0.68 home runs per nine, which ranks sixth among NL pitchers with at least 150 innings pitched in that time. So that is Scott Oberg. Also uh, from Tewksbury, Mass, about an hour and a half away from Springfield. So shout out to that. Yep. Shout out Springfield College. Yeah. Um, for the Rockies, I went with a kind of an up-and-comer. Uh, I'm looking at David Dahl, and simply because, you know, he had a pretty good offensive year last year, 877 OPS. I know it's in cores, but it's still impressive nonetheless. And I'm wondering if he can, uh, if he can, you know, take the next step in being uh, one of the key guys for the Rockies. So I didn't have much on the Rockies. I would like to talk about Dahl because you mentioned, you know, his – he does play a Coors, and he has the obscure uh, in favor of Coors home road splits that you've ever seen. I mean, yeah. That's a thing every year, but it's, it's absurd. Yeah, last year, uh, a, a, he hit 349, 402, 558, 1000 at home. On the road, 254, 302, 449, 751. So yeah. clearly, 
clearly uh, there's some home cooking going. And it was even more insane in 2018. 2018, this is probably my favorite. In 2018, uh, just for reference, in total, he had about 200 plate appearances, uh, probably a little more than that, actually. But at home, 326, 364, 688, 1051. On the road, 200, 274, 324, 597. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But you know what? The home games, they count too. So I mean, hey, they, they do count just as much, and you get half as many. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to get him in maybe free agency, but on the Rockies, you know, still pretty solid. I mean, I think one place where you can obviously uh, improve his game is away from home. Yeah. Like if, you can, like, if you think about it, if you can put together, like, literally a 750 OPS, or actually uh, not even that, like a high 700s, low 800s OPS on the road, can you imagine how great of an overall player he'd be? Oh, my God. Yeah. He'd be I mean, right up on. there with Story and Arenado. Exactly. Uh, the next team is the San Francisco Giants. This team is a hot financial mess, but they do have Yaz third, Carly – or not Carly Yastrzemski, his grandson, Mike Yastrzemski, who uh, after the All-Star break last year hit 287, 354, 562 for a 915 OPS in that second half. He was top 10 among NL outfielders in home runs, runs scored, RBIs, ISO, BABIP, average slugging, WOBA, weighted runs created plus, and wins above replacement. Top 10 in all those among NL outfielders. Yeah, Mike Ustremski was, uh, was a diamond in the rough for sure for the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I will say about the Giants, they are definitely an old team. Last year they had uh, 3,220 plate appearances from players 31 or older, um, which was the highest in baseball by almost 800 plate appearances. And uh, one of the veterans on the other side of the ball uh, is someone I'm looking forward to seeing. Definitely a bigger name, Johnny Cueto. He's coming back, and uh, I think he might. I think he might uh, have. I think yeah. I think uh, Johnny Cueto might be able to uh, have, a, have a decent comeback uh, in 2020. So next is the Arizona Diamondbacks. This team is really interesting. They had some uh, off-season acquisitions. And I think the most interesting part of this team lies in the rotation. There are two guys that I like to highlight. One of them is Luke Weaver. He got hurt last year, but on May 26th, before he got hurt, he had a 303 ERA with 68 strikeouts and 62 and a third innings pitched. That was over 11 starts. And the other one is Zach Gallen. They got him from the Marlins at the trade deadline last year. And in 80 innings pitched with the Diamondbacks, Gallen had a 2.81 ERA and 10.8 Ks per nine. So you complement those two with the likes of Mad Bum, with Robbie Ray, and you, got some, you might have something interesting in that rotation. Oh, yeah. The Diamondbacks are an oddly deep team. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. And one of the guys... Uh, that I'm pointing out also came from the Paul Goldschmidt trade. I'm looking at Carson Kelly um, of 21 catchers with 350 plus plate appearances last year, his 826 OPS ranked fifth. Um, And then also uh, defensively, he was also very good. His caught stealing percentage was above average. Uh, His caught stealing percentage was 32% and the league average was 26 and his framing, his catcher framing, according to Baseball Savant, was in the 90th percentile. So definitely an all-around guy 
uh, to go with his offense. So that's someone who should contribute for not only this year, but many years to come. I mean, you could argue that Carson Kelly had a better season last year than Paul Goldschmidt offensively. Yeah, there's an argument to be made there. The only the only counterpoint you could have is Goldschmidt had significantly more plate appearances. Oh, yeah. But still, you know. It's just, just, the gap should not have been that close. Plate, plate appearance per pl- plate appearances – Plate appearance per plate appearance, you could definitely say. Yeah. Uh, so now, of course, we have the Los Angeles Dodgers. This team is all but given uh, the NL West this year, as they are every year. And the guy I'm highlighting is going into free agency after this season. And I know this is not a good time to be in a contract year, but this guy can definitely make the most out of his opportunities, and that is Jock Peterson. Since 2000, since the start of 2018, over the last two seasons, there are 134 hitters with at least 950 plate appearances, and out of those 134, Jock Peterson's 530 slugging percentage ranks 18th among them. Yeah, Jock Peterson, and Jock Peterson definitely has the. He he feels maybe a little disrespected because they they were going to trade him to the Angels for not very much. So, you know, he's probably thinking about yeah. his value. Yeah, oh, my God, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. he might be trying to uh, I forgot about value that himself this year. Yeah. And, you know, you, when, with the Dodgers outfield, you definitely think about Peterson. You think about Bellinger, who will probably be playing more first base this year. And you think about Mookie Betts, their new guy. But I want to talk about Connecticut native, Hebron, Connecticut native, A.J. Pollock. Uh, who last year, you know, he was, he had an injury. And then after he came back from injury, he was actually uh, not bad at all. He had an 885 OPS in 227 plate appearances after returning from injury last year. So I think he's on a good trend and he could be a guy um, who's producing even with, you know, even with, you know, a star studded lineup with Betts, Bellinger, Peterson, Turner, Muncie, Pollock, could uh, could really hang with those guys as well. So that's going to be our NL West players to watch for. We are going to move on to the American League East, a team or a division with, I think I think there's there's one like particularly bad team. There's two teams that are question marks, and there's two really good teams. So we're going to start, of course, at the bottom of the totem pole with the Baltimore Orioles. This team really does not have much to look for. Fortunately, it does not look like Trey Mancini is going to be ready for this season. He's battling uh, cancer, I believe. And John Means is not going to be ready for opening day. Those are really the two uh, big guys, uh, or at least the well-known names for the diehard baseball fans. But I'm going to be looking at Hunter Harvey. I would like to give a shout-out to Jay Jaff, senior writer at Fangraphs, who gave me the recommendation. Very, very small sample size in the majors but still worth paying attention to. He pitched six and a third innings in the majors last year, which obviously is not a lot. He had a 1.42 ERA and 15.63 strikeouts per nine. And he also had big strikeout numbers in the minors last year. So my Oriole pick to click, I guess, is Hanser Alberto. So I'm not even going with him necessarily because he's amazing. I'm just saying, if you hate, if you hated the the state of the 2019 game, then you probably loved. If you're 75 years old, you will love Hanser Alberto. You will love Hanser Alberto because 
this guy led the league in in-play percentage, meaning that he did not hit very many homers, he did not strike out a lot, nor did he walk a lot. He had the third lowest walk rate, uh, he had the lowest strikeout rate in baseball, and his home run percentage was in the bottom 13%. And he also hit 305 to go with that. So, you know, this guy, uh, you know, I guess he's one of the guys that, uh, you know, he's probably like a more dead ball era type, and he's just kind of fun to watch. So that is our, that was, those are our Baltimore Orioles. The next team, uh, we have no idea where they're going to be playing their home games as of now because their government shut down the idea of them playing in Toronto, and that is, of course, the Blue Jays. This is a team that has a lot of hype. You know, they got the youth. They got Vlad Jr. They got Boba Bichette, Kevin Biggio. But my guy comes on the mound, and it is Nate Pearson. I've been high on this guy for quite a while. And listen, he did get roughed up tonight by the Red Sox. You know, four runs in the first inning, not great, not what you want. But I still think he's got a strong case to make for rookie of the year this season if he ends up getting called up at some point. I've seen his fastball get up to 104. I have watched that happen on my television. He has an 80-grade fastball, obviously, a 219 ERA in his minor league career with a .87 whip, 146 strikeouts, and 123 and one-thirds innings pitched. That is Nate Pearson. So for the Blue Jays, uh, I'll point out one guy and then go to my main guy. One guy that should be mentioned with this Blue Jays team is Ken Giles, who's coming off a career year. Uh, last year, among qualified re- relievers, he was fifth in ERA, fourth in FIP, and fourth in strikeout percentage. But the main guy, a guy who, you know, I'm I'm kind of a stan of. I like this guy, Hyunjin Ryu. You know, yeah. he signed he signs an eighty million dollar contract last year. And since coming back from his injury in 2018, a minimum 200 innings pitched, he is second in ERA with a 2.22 ERA, and seventh in FIP with a 3.06 ERA, uh, 3.06 FIP. And in 2019, Hyunjin Ryu was in the 94th percentile in exit velocity against, 90th in barrel rate against, and 88th in hard hit rate against. So he's one of the he's you know a crafty lefty, a guy who, you know, a, a type who I think deserves more appreciation, some, you know, soft fastballs, but can, knows how to move around the zone. Um, Hyunjin Ryu, I think, will be bigger than a lot of people realize uh, in 2020. Okay, so now we're moving on to the Boston Red Sox. Chris and I are both Red Sox fans, so I think this one will be very personal for us. Uh, I'm going pretty simple with this one. Uh, it's Xander Bogarts. This is his team now. Mookie Betts is no longer the leader. Xander Bogarts is, uh, outside of Dustin Pedroia and I think Brandon Workman, he is the longest tenured player uh, on the Major League roster. And he's quite simply the leader now. Last year, he hit 327, 384, 580, 964. He's, without a doubt, a top three shortstop in all of baseball. And you guys just got to be ready for his team because that offense is still going to be really questionable. Defense is going to light it up. Yeah, and for my Red Sox player, I have no statistical basis on why I'm picking him. I just, I'm just, a, I just got a feeling with this guy. He's right. the opening day starter, Nathan Eovaldi. I'm just, he's looked good. He's looked good. So I'm just going to see, you know, can he have a good 2020? We are like the most anti-eye test people ever. And here you are. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good about him. All I, right. You know what? I'm feeling good. 
I sure hope it's a good feeling. On to the Rays. Moving on to the Tampa Bay Rays. There is no single player on this list that I am more uh, adamant about than Nick Anderson. Holy cow, this guy is good. Last year with the Rays, he pitched 21 and a third innings, had a 2.11 ERA. 2.11 ERA is pretty good, but you know, he got really unlucky. He should have had, he had a 1.62 FIP and a 0.65 whip in, in, uh, in that time. 41 strikeouts. Keep in mind, that is 21 in the third innings. Over 17 strikeouts per nine innings. 90th percentile in fastball velocity. That's, of course, on baseball savant to go around with that. 94th percent expected WOBA. 82nd percent expected slugging. 100th percentile in strikeout percentage. The best most, the most efficient strikeout pitcher in all of baseball last year. 93rd percentile in expected batting average. And also, of all American League pitching seasons with minimum 20 innings pitched, he leads all time in strikeouts per nine. Literally the best AL season of minimum 20 innings ever as far as strikeouts goes. And last year, out of 279 pitchers who pitched at least 20 innings from August on, he, of course, leads case per nine, obviously. He is seventh in walks per nine, and he leads ex-fit. That is Nick Anderson. This guy is, when you see him coming out of the bullpen, you might as well just turn off the game if it's against your team. Yeah, Nick Unless Anderson. Some strikeouts. Nick Anderson was spectacular last season, and, made, and you know, you have to think that he's going to carry, carry it over to this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, my guy, well, one, one thing I will note, you got to, Look for Tyler Glass now, of course. Before his injury last year, he led the league in ERA and FIP at a 186 ERA and a 23 FIP. So definitely don't forget about Tyler Glass now. But a guy who had a rough year last year, who I'm looking at, is Blake Snell. Um, he, you know, from ERA wise, he definitely had a worse year. But what I will say, and you know, peripherals aren't everything, but his his hard hit rate and barrel rate. Uh, so balls hit 95 miles per hour plus and his barrel rate. Uh, those percentages were better in 2019 than they were in 2018. So maybe in 2018, he got a little bit lucky. And in 2019, he got a little bit unlucky. So make sure, you know, find find him. He's probably going to find a balance uh, this year, maybe be a, a low threes ERA uh, kind of pitcher. This he needs year. to stay healthy because he got hurt last year before – like, after he was struggling, he went to the DL or the IL. That's right. So that leads us into the New York Yankees, the defending American League East champions. And they are the favorites to win it again, understandably so. They had – they had. I mean, they got Garrett Cole. Like, what else could you ask for? How about the return of Miguel Andujar? In 2018, Andujar was fifth among all third basemen in the league in slugging percentage. The only people above him – Nolan Arenado, Jose Ramirez, Anthony Rendon, Alex Bregman. Pretty good company to be in right there. Yeah. Yeah, Miguel Andujar, especially out of the gate, was, mm-hmm. uh, was definitely huge, especially offensively. Um, a, lot of people, a lot of people were upset he didn't get Rookie of the Year. You and I definitely differ from that opinion, but he was still good nonetheless. Uh, player I'm looking at, I'm just wondering if he can maintain what he did last year. Glaber Torres. So Glaber Torres, he had a 783 OPS against teams that were not the Baltimore Orioles. Also, 
Uh, over a third of his home runs came against the Orioles. Uh, his exit velocity last year was average, and his hard hit percentage was below average. And against the Rays, who are going to be the biggest uh, competitor for the Yankees this year, uh, against the Rays, he had a 585 OPS. So I'm wondering if he is going to be legit in 2020. Obviously, he's got the talent, but I'm wondering if he can, you know, keep it going uh, for 2020. All right, so that's going to do it for our American League East picks. We're going to move on to the NL Central. Uh, there are four teams that could possibly win this division, and then, there's a, the, and then there's the Pittsburgh Pirates. So we're going to start out with, and uh, my pick is Brian Reynolds. Uh, this guy was pretty under the radar as a rookie last season, uh, and his 3.2 wins above replacement uh, ranks 10th among NL outfielders. He had 131 weighted runs created plus, which was 7th among NL, out, NL outfielders. Uh, by the way, all these ranks that I'm saying are, like I said, among NL outfielders. His Woba was 8th, his OBP, which was 377, was 7th, and his 314 average ranked 5th. And my Pirates guy, I'm just kind of wondering, he's another guy where I'm wondering which direction he will go because there were two different versions of him last season. Is it uh, Josh Bell? Josh Bell. Josh Bell had an 1109 OPS through May, and then from June on he had an 818 OPS. So he's a guy, he definitely has the talent. He's, you know, anytime you look at the, uh, the top exit velocities, Josh Bell is up there. So just wondering if he can um, maintain kind of success from his first two months last year and translate it into the first two months and the only two months this year. Okay, so the next team we're going to go over is the Cincinnati Reds. This is a team that has a hype train. They got, you know, Mike Moustakis in the offseason. They got, uh, they have a really intriguing pitching staff, specifically in that rotation. They have a good back end of the bullpen with Michael Lorenzen, Amir Garrett, and Rysel Iglesias. But the guy that I'm looking at is another acquisition over the offseason, Nick Castellanos. This guy is very good at offense, and he's probably going to be their DH. And after joining the Cubs last year in a trade, he hit 321, 356, 646 for a 1002 OPS in those last two months. He was not the problem. He was for the Cubs last year, late in the season. He had the 14th best average uh, in the league after that after that trade, the eighth best slugging, the 14th best WOBA, and the 15th best weighted runs created plus. That is Nick Castellanos. For my Reds player, I'm looking at one player. He's a pitcher, and you definitely want to focus on one pitch because it's his changeup. It's Luis Castillo. So Luis Castillo last year, uh, he was second in whiff percentage, and he had the fifth most uh, whiffs inside the strikeout, uh, inside the strike zone, you know, swings and misses. And he was second in changeup percentage. Uh, Luis Castillo threw his changeup more than any other pitch, and 155 out of 226 strikeouts were on his changeup, which was 68.6%. And hitters, hitters hit 128 and slugged 199 off of that changeup. Uh, the pitch itself had a 48% whiff percentage. And uh, yeah, Luis Castillo and his changeup are, you know, when you're turning on the television, watch watch for El Cambio. 
So the Reds, they're going to be an intriguing team, especially with those two guys. Next is the Chicago Cubs. My guy is the guy who led home runs for them last season, and that is Kyle Schwarber. In the second half of last season, Kyle Schwarber had a 997 OPS. And after August 1st, like I said with Nick Castellanos, uh, just that August 1st date, among NL outfielders, he was second in weighted runs created plus with 163, second in WOBA, second in slugging, and third in on-base percentage. This guy was a, a top three offensive outfielder in the National League last season after August 1st. And he's got some really good stack S numbers with, with exit below and expected slugging and things of that nature. So that's Kyle Schwarber. I'm looking at another Cubs outfielder. This man was out for most of last year. Uh, Ian Happ. Ian Happ was third uh, for the Cubs. He was he ranked third. Uh, he ranked third amongst among uh, Cubs players in F4 uh, since he came back. So def- definitely don't forget about Ian Happ. And one aside I have on the Cubs is uh, the team led in innings pitched by pitchers 32 and older. So their staff, they're not getting any younger for sure. Um, you know, you got you Darvish, John Lester, Kyle Hendricks. is Darvish was very good in the second half last year, though. Kyle Hendricks is very good. But mm-hmm. as a staff, um, th- there's kind of a question mark around them. Sure. So now we have the Milwaukee Brewers. This team had a heartbreaking loss last year. But they do have Kesson Hira as their second baseman. Uh, I really wish we got a full year of him last year, and I wish we were getting a full year of him this year because I'm very intrigued to see what this guy can do over the course of 162 games. He led second baseman, minimum played, minimum 300 plate appearances last year in BABIP. He was also sixth in average, fifth in OBP, second in slugging, second in WOBA, and second in weighted runs created plus, Kesvan Hira. So the brewer I was looking at was Brandon Woodruff. Um, definitely their top guy and prior to his injury just one stat on him prior to his injury last year he was ninth in fielding independent pitching um so he was definitely getting strikeouts not allow not allowing very many walks and not allowing very many home runs so he's he's definitely a key guy that you should not forget about uh in 2020 there so now we have a team that kind of came out of nowhere to win the nl central last year and that is the cardinals and I do not want anyone to forget the second half that Jack Flaherty had, so I'm just going to talk about it. He had an 0.91 ERA in that second half. That's that's just about all you need to know. An 0.91 ERA, and also he is entering his age 24 season this year. And there have been 531 pitchers in the history of baseball to ever log 300 innings by their age 23 season, and Flaherty is fourth amongst them in strikeouts per nine innings with 10.6. That is Jack Flaherty who is going to be the ace of this Cardinal staff and is a Cy Young candidate for sure. I have one more nug on Flair in the second half. Him and 20 – or actually, I should get the uh, I should get the sound clip edited in for this. And I'm sorry I didn't have it for your cruise. Uh, how about that? Okay. But, you know, it's something, it's something we'll get over. But uh, Jack Flaherty and 2015 Jake Arrieta are the only pitchers in the live ball era with 80 plus innings pitched and an ERA of less than one in the first or second half of a season. How about that? I, mi- I missed Hammy on that call. All right, so who is your Cardinal? Uh, my Cardinal to watch 
is not someone on the up and up. Uh, Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter last year. He's probably going to be their DH. Yeah, he's probably going to be their DH. Uh, he had career lows in doubles, average, on-base percentage, slugging, uh, and OPS last year. Um, and But in 2018, he finished 10th in the MVP vote. So we're going to get a look at – in 2020, we'll probably get a look at where Matt Carpenter is at in his career. Mm -hmm. So that is going to do it for the NL Central. We're going to move on to the League West. Uh, there is some controversy within this division. I think we all know where. There's teams that got better. There's teams that maybe got worse. And we're going to start with the Seattle Mariners. And my guy to watch for is Tom Murphy. He is their catcher. Out of, a, out of 36 catchers with at least 250 plate appearances last year, Tom Murphy was fifth in wins above replacement with 3.2. He, he was also second in slugging, tied for fifth in batting average, third in weighted runs created plus, fourth in WOBA, and he did that in only 281 plate appearances. So my uh, Mariner is also a younger guy. Um, those, are, those are generally the Mariners you're looking at. Uh, this guy has not played a game in Major League Baseball. Um, I'm looking at Logan Gilbert. Logan Gilbert, he was, he, I believe, is still the number 38 prospect uh, in baseball, according to MLB.com. And uh, last year... He had a 2-1-3 ERA and 11 strikeouts per nine uh, in, 30, in 135 innings pitch in the minors. So, you know, if he gets the call up this year, he's definitely someone to look for. The next team is the Los Angeles Angels. They, they still have questionable pitching, especially with the health concerns regarding pretty much that entire staff. But they did get Anthony Rendon. You can make the legit case that the Angels have the best two position players in the American League. Yes. You really could. But the guy I'm talking about is a, a, a fan favorite on MLB Twitter. It is David Fletcher. I, I, I could not talk about him. He has some of the weirdest uh, percentiles on Savant that I've ever seen. He is in the third percentile of exit velo and the zeroth percentile of hard hit, percentile of hard hit percentage. But yet he was in the 96th percentile of, ex, of expected batting average. And he also had the second best K's K percentage last year in the league. Yeah, David David Fletcher, uh, mm -hmm. definitely an, an odd one. I don't. I, it makes you think like baseball savant is broken or something. You just you don't know. It's fun to look at though, and also MLB Twitter loves him. It's yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, my angel to look at is basically Shohei Otani. He's a yeah. career 883 OPS and. Uh, He'll, he will be uh, back to pitching this season, I believe. So um, if, he is, if he is, in fact, pitching this year, I mean, who, who doesn't want to watch that? I mean, a two-way a two player. You know, we got a taste of it in 2018, but I think we really know the potential of this guy now. We certainly do. Uh, next is the Texas Rangers. They have a new ballpark this year, and my guy to watch for is Lance Lynn. He is, he is aging, but last year he became one of four pitchers since the turn of the century in 2000 to have a season with at least 6.7 wins above replacement and 10 strikeouts per nine in their age 32 season or higher. Max Serger in 2018, Kurt Schilling in 2001 and 2002, and Randy Johnson in 2000, 2001, 2002, and 2004. Yeah, that'll... Uh... 
That'll happen. Randy, <laughs> shout out to Randy Johnson. Yeah. So the Ranger I was looking at, um, pretty clear one, Joey Gallo. Mm -hmm. Joey Gallo, he's another guy where I'm looking looking at his peripherals and thinking, you know, is this guy going to uh, repeat the same success he had last year? So his batting average on balls in play went up 100 points last year. His home run percentage and his strikeout percentage stayed relatively the same, and also his expected batting average stayed relatively the same. So I'm wondering if, you know, was it that he was unlucky before last season or was it that he was kind of lucky uh, in 2019? So definitely Joey Gallo, we'll, we'll see about him this year. You know, he might be able to be one of the best players in baseball if he repeats. So we are moving from a team that has a new stadium to a team that needs a new stadium. The Oakland A's are the next team on the list. And my guy is probably one of the most underrated players in all of baseball. It is Mark Canna. Out of 105 right-handed hitters who had at least 300 plate appearances versus right-handers also, uh, you know, that righty-righty that matchup, Canna ranked fifth in OPS, third in weighted runs created plus, and second in OBP. He crushed righties last year. And he's going to be facing them most of the time because that's just naturally how it is. So my athletic to watch um, this upcoming year is a, a guy who probably got a little bit unlucky last year. I'm looking at Lou Trevino. Mm -hmm. Lou Trevino, he was spectacular in 2018. And last year he took a giant step back. But his peripheral statistics, you know, the ones that I definitely value, like exit velocity against and hard hit percentage against, those statistics kind of stayed the same and his exit velocity against was in the 88th percentile and his hard hit percentage against was in the 80th percentile. So I wouldn't really, I would really take 2019 Lou Trevino kind of with a grain of salt. And, you know, I think his, his stuff and what he's able to do on the mound, generally, generally speaking, you know, don't, don't keep, you know, don't kind of, uh, don't write him off this year for sure. So now we got the Houston Astros. This team has a lot of storylines uh, this year regarding them, and not, most of them are not necessarily on the field. Uh, it is in the batter's box, literally in the batter's box with the ball, uh, you know, going in the batter's box and hitting them. That's a lot of – that's what's talked about a lot. So I decided uh, to sort of get away with that with my player, and I'm talking about Lance McCullers Jr. He's coming back from Tommy John surgery. And in 2018, he led the league in curveball percentage with 48% of, uh, of his pitches thrown were curveballs. From 2015 to 2018, he was sixth among AL pitch pitchers in Ks per nine. He led home runs per nine, fifth in, in FIP, and third in ground ball percentage. So that is Lance McCullers Jr. So, yeah, I remember we, uh, we both looked at Lance yeah. McCullers Jr. Uh, we when we did the original preview show. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's really not much to say on the Astros. They are who they are. Um, they, didn't, they didn't really add anybody. But, you know, Lance McCullers and, of course, our favorite, a show favorite, Jose Arquiti. He's actually pretty good. So, you know, he might be a quality fourth starter for them. So don't forget about Jose Arquiti. Okay. So now we are going to move on to the National League East. This is our last division. Uh, this is another really interesting division where four teams have a possibility of winning it. 
And so we're going to start with the Marlins, of course, who don't have a chance of winning it. And my guy, he was an all-star last year, but his highlights came after the all-star game. Sandy Alcantara, he was acquired in the Marcelo Zuna trade with the Cardinals. And from August on last year, he had a 2.78 ERA, which ranked eighth in the National League. He was also tied for sixth in wins above replacement, 84th percentile in fastball velocity whole, uh, out of all of last year, 75th percentile fastball spin rate, and 81st percentile of exit velo. Yes, and yeah, uh, he, was, he was definitely uh, someone to look for. A guy I'm looking at um, who I wasn't looking at uh, when we originally did the show, but I should have been looking at this guy. I believe, yeah, I believe he has, yes, his estimated time of arrival is 2020. Looking at Sixto Sanchez. Oh. This, uh, this guy, he had, he's done very well in the minor leagues. Last year um, in 114 innings pitched, had a 2.76 ERA. And I figure, and, you know, I'm not sure how the Marlins are going to handle their their prospects, but, you know, if he gets in the big leagues, he could potentially uh, be one of their best pitchers. That's right. So now we're going on to Philadelphia. We're looking at the Phillies, and I, my guy has been taking a lot of heat over the offseason because of the contract he signed. And I'm here to tell you that Zach Wheeler earned all that money. Dating back to June 22nd of 2018, that's a year and a half of baseball, he is 13th in the entire league in ERA with a 3.36. He is 9th in FIP with a 3.24. Zach Wheeler, you got your money and you deserved it, and you're going to be great as a Philly. I know it. Yeah, Zach, Zach Wheeler was someone who I also put down mm-hmm. uh, when we did our show. And I think, you know, I think he should be preached upon. I believe his uh, fastball velocity has gone incrementally up um, in the past three years. Whenever, whenever he got surgery, it's gone up one mile per hour every year. So, you know, I'm, I don't, I didn't have anybody new, but yeah, Zach Wheeler. Yes. You know, he definitely peripherally. This is the pro Zach Wheeler show. He, sh- he should be good. I, I have kind of thrown him under the bus a little bit because I believe Hyunjin Ryu, Hyunjin Ryu's contract should have been. Well, he's older, isn't he? He is older. He does. And the strikeout numbers aren't as good. Yeah, but you know, it's about it's about preventing runs. Hyunjin Ryu prevents runs better. I think Zach Wheeler still earned every penny of that contract. Possibly. Yes. So now onto the Mets. Onto the Mets. Uh, I think we agreed on this one too. Did you have JD Davis also? Yes. Yeah. Okay. JD Davis. This is this is one of the one of the premier underrated players as well. Uh, last year on Savant, 90th percentile exit velo, 91st percentile hard hit percentage, 92nd percentile ex woba, 97th percentile ex batting average, 91st percentile ex slugging, and the fourth best weighted runs created plus in the NL in the second half of 2019. He was he had the seventh best OBP, the eighth best slugging, and the eighth best OPS, and this is all in the second half. Uh, the, the non Savant stats. And to put it quite simply, he was the best hitter on the Mets in the second half of last year. Yeah, and, you know, I put down J.D. Davis pretty high on him, and he would be, you know, he would pretty much max out his potential if he improves with runners in scoring position last year. 
with runners in scoring position, he hit 257, um, which is a 50 point difference between a 50 point difference from his overall batting average. So if he's, you know, a 300 hitter with runners in scoring position, he's one of the most, he might be one of the, he might be like number two most productive guy in that lineup. Absolutely. Yeah, he might already be, but you know. I was watching the, the Yankees Mets like uh sim or not the sim, but that exhibition game a couple nights ago. They had Robinson Cano hitting third, which really, really puzzled me because JD Davis was hitting like fifth or sixth. I was like, hey, you want to make a switch there? Because uh Robinson Cano, it's not 2011 anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, I was about to say it's not insert year. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> we we got to get over that. Uh, I really hope Luis Rojas can make that change. I know it's not necessarily him making the lineup. It's kind of more the, the analytics department, but I really don't understand the logic between behind putting Robinson Cano as the third hitter on the Mets. Yeah. And if you want to have a lefty, throw Michael, Con- Michael Conforto in there. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's no reason to have that. So now we got the defending World Series champion, Washington Nationals. And my guy was probably the best performer on their team throughout the whole postseason. It is Howie Kendrick. We got some savant stats with him. 92nd percentile exit below, 94th percentile hard hit percentage, 98th percentile ex-woba, 98th percentile ex-slugging, 100th percentile expected batting average, the best in the league. And we're going off of some second-half stats. Last year, in the second half, he hit 373, 423, 587 for a 1011 OPS. Howie Kendrick is still going. Yeah, Howie Kendrick. You cannot forget about Howie Kendrick. And then a guy who probably, you know, definitely a lot younger than Howie Kendrick. One guy I'm looking at um, for his potential. Uh, I'm looking at Victor Robles. He led all of major league baseball and outs above average last year, basically meaning he was the best defender uh, in baseball last year. And, you know, he had a 745 OPS. So, you know, being, you know, even if you're just an average hitter, you know, the, the defense kind of puts him over the edge as one of the better guys, one of the better position players on the nationals. And if, you know, he's a young guy, he could definitely improve offensively and be, you know, he could be, you know, looking, Looking at the Nationals, if he can become an above-average hitter, you look at him as being maybe even better than, like, Trey Turner. Uh, Victor Robles could could be that guy. Yes, he certainly could. So last but not least, we have the Atlanta Braves. Uh, this is the defending, two-time defending NL East champions. Chris, earlier you went with uh, A.J. Pollock as a Connecticut native. Yes. And we're going to balance this out, and I am going with Upstate New York's very own Ian Anderson. If he gets on this roster this year, you better watch out because he is a starting pitcher. He is, the, I believe, in the top 40 prospects in the league. His ETA is this year. He's on the 60 player. He's on the 60 man player pool. And last year in the minors, he had a 3.38 ERA in 135 and two thirds innings pitched. And I got to support him because he grew up about a half hour from where I live. And I am all in on upstate New York guys because they don't come around very often. So Ian Anderson, remember that name. I am looking for the Braves. I am looking at another pitcher, a guy who's already gotten his feet wet in the major leagues. 
and who had a down year last year, but he came around at the end. Looking at Mike Boltonevich, in the last seven starts of the regular season last year, he threw 41 and two-thirds innings. He had a 1.73 ERA, a 5.19 OPS against, and, you know, this is after, in 2018, he finished eighth in the Cy Young. So I think you should definitely expect a more productive year out of Mike Fulton-Nevich in 2020. All right. So that's going to do it for our players to watch on each team. Uh, I'm glad we ran through these again. And now we got – I have a few over-unders. I only wrote, like – I only wrote three. Uh, how many do you write? Oh, I wrote 